One of the things communications people often get kind of tagged with is you know spin or smoke and mirrors or positioning things in certain ways and and there's an assumption that there's that you're lacking authenticity or genuineness in, in brand and in how you're showing up and what you're sharing with the world. And I, I think you know what we just talked about about knowing your values and knowing your your mission and knowing what you're trying to achieve. That's a completely authentic experience if you really deliberate about doing those things. This podcast is brought to you by Dentons, the world's largest law firm with a global team that builds agile, tailored solutions to meet the local, national, and global needs of private and public clients of any size in 183 locations serving 75 countries. Hi everyone, my name is Heather Barnhouse, partner and lawyer in our Edmonton office. Welcome to my podcast where I explore the topic of women in entrepreneurship and leadership and the ecosystem supporting the growth in this segment. Today I'm joined by Lisa Grakowski, founder of Right to Communicate, and I'm excited to talk about communication generally, which is a topic that is so critical to anyone in business or leadership today. Welcome, Lisa. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. Well, we're excited as well. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about you and about your company? Absolutely. Yeah, I, um, I I call myself a communication strategist, and Right to Communicate was really born out of the concept that when people are are working together and they're trying to find an, an endpoint in mind, there's often um, a lot of work that goes into the social dynamics and the planning and who are we talking to and, and what end are we trying to get to. Um, and I've always had a natural inclination to be able to take lots of complex ideas and different dynamics and people and, and really work through those to uh, a clear endpoint, sort of a business-focused outcomes, results. Um, and then I like to do the thing that most people don't like to do, which is participate in those really rich conversations and then take that all away and put it into a document or a structure or a framework or whatever that looks like that uh, people can then they can go poke at it and look at it and figure out, you know, how can we make it better? But I, I really love having the the opportunity and the privilege of taking people's ideas and trying to find something that they can support and get behind and get really excited about and move forward in the world. So that's the work that I do, everything from the facilitation and the planning to those end products that get developed with other designers and, and web folks and social media folks and, and really great product-based outcomes. Wow, that sounds that sounds really complicated and really sort of rewarding from the, you know, from the output perspective, because you have so much input from, you know, various people. And obviously they have their different perspectives and, and the different contributions that they're bringing to the table. But then you're able to synthesize the various aspects and sort of draw out the the key messages in a way that's going to make an impact with whatever the, the document or the, the purpose of the communication is. So that's pretty fun. A lot of leaders and entrepreneurs want their messages and sometimes them, their, you know, what they're passionate about or what they bring a voice to, um, to stand out from the crowd and, and be visible for what it is or to have it live on it live on its own what would you say to them or what kind of advice would you give them in order to allow them to make that happen yeah i think i think one of the things that's really exciting and interesting about communications is that that we all do it so it's one of those things that's kind of like finance like we live in the world and we practice these things and we can either be really deliberate about them or we can do them very very organically and communications is one of those things some of the advice that i give to my clients when i first meet with them is being really deliberate about that and that's always where the word strategy comes in right what are you going to focus on or do how can you be really deliberate about something that you do day to day so that 
all the energy, time, investment, resources that you're putting into running a business or connecting with people is actually moving you closer and closer towards your goal. And and it seems to me that, you know, deliberate is one thing, but that there's some consistency as well, right? And so when you're you're talking about moving towards a goal, you can do that in a very deliberate way, but you need to be very consistent, I would think, about the same message and the same sort of impact of that message in order for it to land where you want it, you know, in the way that you want it to. I think that's true. I think, the, again, the lovely thing about communications is that it fits so direct into everything else that you're doing in your business. So when you think about you know, whether it's a business or an organization, an association, you come into it and, and with values, with a mission, with something that you're really set out to do. And communications is a support role. It, it's something that helps you move that mission forward, move closer to that vision, enact those values. So the consistency is really being consistent in in who you are, what your voice is, the type of work that you're trying to bring out into the world and helping people really understand it and understand what you're contributing um, to contribute to that mission or that vision. But the consistency is driven by who am I? Who is our audience? You know, lots of people will say, well, it's the public or it's Albertans. And it's like, ah, no, there's a segment in there. And that <laughs> segment has a personality. And so, so does your business, right? right? So does that connection right. or relationship that's there. Early on, when you when you first um, when you answered the first question, you talked really around strategy and around strategic assets and about getting closer and closer towards your goal or or achieving your strategy. Can you say a little bit more about communication as a strategic asset and where that can create challenges uh, for companies or for for organizations in terms of their communication? Yeah, I mean. One of the things that I really believe in mentorship and I believe in, in listening and learning from the people that are around me. And I remember, um, you know, a couple of my colleagues who also worked in, I would say, with, with corporate support services. Um, so friends that have been in, you know, like you, legal services or finance services, HR services. And one of them said to me early on in my career, the best thing that you could do is really be a trusted strategic business partner in the work that you do. I need to understand what we're trying to achieve or what we're trying to do here. And then my role is to really support you to do that in the most effective way. And so, right. you know, you're going to communicate daily, whether I'm conscious of how you're doing that or not. So if I'm your support partner, it's paying attention to how are you showing up? Are people understanding what you're conveying? Are you engaging in certain ways that uh, make sense or, or not? And one of the things communications people often get kind of pegged with is, you know, spin or smoke and mirrors or positioning things mm-hmm. in certain yeah. ways. And, and there's an assumption that there's you're lacking authenticity or genuineness in, in brand and in how you're showing up and what you're sharing with the world. And I, I think, you know, what we just talked about, about knowing your values and knowing your, your mission and knowing what you're trying to achieve, that's a completely authentic experience if you're really deliberate about doing those things. And then it, it isn't about spin. It's about finding examples, visuals, models, things that convey in a clear and simple manner. These are the things that I believe in. These are the things that I stand for. Uh, and we're seeing a lot of that. I mean, we see that a lot around, we just you know, had Pride Month in, in June. Um, and right. we see a lot of branding that comes out around allyship and, and pride. And people can sniff out really quickly whether that's conjecture or whether that's actually part of the values of how a company shows up in the world and, and the things that they do and how they support and how they support their employees. And so really knowing how you fit and how you share and communicate and are deliberate about what you're I don't know, personality of your brand is or personality of your company is uh, and creating those deliberate opportunities to share that and make those things really visible for people. I think it's a really important 
way to make sure that communication becomes that strategic asset in helping achieve mm-hmm. your business goals. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think I think it's interesting that you talk about sort of that trusted business partner, because if you're using communication as a strategic asset, you want to be able to use those tools and the people who are providing that support in that strategic way as well and leverage off of the, you know, the support and the capability that everybody is providing, as you say, to move forward um, to move the organization's mission or its goals forward and being really aligned and deliberate about what steps you're going to take to uh, to do that. So that really resonates with me that you want to be part of the team and part of the, you know, the, the effort to really move it forward. I wondered if you could give us some examples of Maybe, uh, I don't know what to call it, like a lack of strategy. What happens if you, if it, like what happens with communication gone bad? Do you have any war stories or some examples of challenges that can occur if, if we're not thinking strategically and what that might do for an organization that maybe could have, that could have been mitigated had we thought about this a little bit? Yeah, it's funny that you say war stories because I think there's, innumerable examples of where things have have gone bad and we tend to highlight those. Um, But what actually I think happens more often than the war stories or things going badly is just the the day-to-day organicness that um, you're missing out on opportunities to be deliberate. And I would would say like, Mm -hmm. I mean, anecdotally that that would happen way more with what I see than my clients and something really going off the rails. I mean, most people are they're thoughtful and deliberate about their businesses and they they know their values innately and they they try to propagate that. But I mean, you can take something. We live social media so often right now and so many people use it as a platform to reach out in the world. So I often see things like a Mother's Day message or a, a Happy Canada Day message where the Canada flag and a Happy Canada Day, we hope you have a great day and make some great memories. But a lot of the companies yeah. that I work with are actually Canadian-owned companies. And so they they have some really cool opportunities with those milestone moments that are just, they're there, they're there for the taking to say, I'm a Canadian company, you know, we're hundred percent Canadian owned. These are the really good things that we're doing. We're sharing stories about the impact that they're having in in your neighbor's lives. And so I think that there's a lot of missed opportunity on a day-to-day basis. And there's, and there's definitely the opportunity to think about how, how you can take those, as you say, those, those opportunities that are there for the taking and really use them strategically uh, to, to elevate or to amplify the message that your your organization is, you know, communicating anyway, but you could you could just pair it up a little bit easier um, and and use that opportunity. Yeah, I think the other thing that I would share, Heather, is that um, like I see a lot of small businesses and they say, well, we don't have a budget or we don't have the resources to be able to bring on communication support or bring on a social media person and. And sometimes I think, you know, there's there's some opportunity with even like a 15-minute phone call to someone who has the skill set that can really help. And I'm thinking about, you know, having gone through uh, the, the COVID experience or the pandemic experience recently that a couple of, of colleagues in, in my work environment that were running a fitness shop, they knew what they needed to do. So they knew that they weren't going to be able to keep the lease on their business and they knew that they needed to communicate to their uh, clientele that they would be shutting down, but they were also planning to open a new business doing a mm-hmm. similar thing. And they they went very incrementally in the way that they did it. And it just, it was a best of intentions, but they let their clientele know that they were shutting down and that they wouldn't be able to uphold their lease. And there was a lot of outpouring of support and concern. But then what they didn't do was communicate what it actually meant. So then a couple of days later, they re-released a new business platform 
And all of their clientele went, whoa, what does this mean? Like, what does it mean for all the dollars that I've previously spent? What does this mean for how we work with you? What is it? Then there's just, there was a lot of feelings around that. And they spent, you know, the next two to three weeks entertaining all of those questions. And they knew all the answers to them. So had they taken right. a little bit of time and gotten a little bit of advice on put together a frequently asked questions, share some information around up and, what's up and coming, figure out where you're going to get maybe some criticism of the approach that you're taking and see how you can turn that around to help people understand where you're coming from and how you're following your passion and your values, how you're going to support your long-term community through this. And it would have mitigated a lot of the effort that they ended up spending internally, just trying to navigate that right. change. I think that's actually really important in this uh post sort of pandemic world that we're living in now, where so many businesses have had to shift or pivot or refocus either their audience or or their, their product or their service. And the messaging around how and why and what that means to your to your audience, I think is really really critical um, so that you don't lose whatever traction that you may have built up with your um, with your existing customer base. And perhaps it also gives you an opportunity to to move into a new, uh, a bit of a new audience. I know that one of the intersections between communication leadership and business operations are audience and target audiences, like we just spoke about a little bit. Business plans, strategies, needs, assessment, market research, and, and more is done with a particular audience in mind. What's something about audience-focused communications that our listeners might not have given as much thought to? I know you've touched on that just in that last example, but are there other other thoughts you have around that that our audience may, our listeners may want to think about um, to, to shift their thinking a little bit about that topic? Yeah, I think one of the things that we're seeing emerge uh, a lot more right now is, is voice. Um, so I, I can think back, you know, I'm aging myself here, but 20 years ago when I was in, in business school and then uh, communications, and we talked a lot about corporate voice, and there was a lot of focus on business voice and sounding professional and um, learning to, you know, write with a lot of structure and syntax. And, and I think we've really moved into a world now where because we're focused on relationship and because things are in much more sound bites and social media. I mean, Twitter certainly, when it came out and restricted us to a certain number of characters originally, forced us to think differently about how we were connecting and communicating. And that that voice, being able to know, uh, how do I want people to perceive me? Like, what words would I pick that really define my values? And how would I adopt a tone or a voice that people can relate to and, and really start to connect with your brand, your company, your... So, you're seeing a lot more tone, and I think it's I think it's lovely that there's people who are playful or fun in the way that they're reaching out or communicating or sincerity. Uh, there's a lot of communities that are really based around being genuine, um, commitment, dedication. I mean, all of those things can come out really clearly in tone. And so, if you want to be seen as a you know assurance or credibility, like for example, an engineering firm, then there would be more of that sincerity or that seriousness to the tone of your communication. Where if you, if you are you know, a, a donut shop, for example, your brand could be based in fun flavors and fun experiences. And, and so being able right, to play right. with your, the names of your products and the tone that you're communicating. And there's just a lot yep. more of that. You also see a lot more of, especially for smaller businesses, people's experiences and personalities, their families, uh, the things that they're doing in their social lives actually integrating into their brand for their companies because you're feeling like you're building a relationship and you're getting to know someone. You can relate to their lifestyle. 
and the differentiation, right? Like what makes you different from another uh, consultant, right? Is the is the personality and the, the specificity that you bring to it, which, as you say, a lot of that comes through kind of the behind the scenes things that you people you can get a glimpse of through social media or through, you know, a fun uh, blog post or something that gives you a little bit of insight that you might not otherwise see in in a more strict or buttoned up type of uh, type of communication document. Um, <clears throat> maybe one last topic that we can touch on is engagement based planning and decision making within a business. So engagement is a broad term. It shows up in many different businesses and leadership arenas. Can you shed some light on engagement in the context of planning and decision making? Yeah, I, I love this topic. It feels like a bit of a departure from communication, but I really, I don't believe that it is. And I think one of the things that uh, when I get excited about work, it's because one of my my core beliefs, I always call it my corporate philosophy, is I think people support what they help to create. So I always imagine that if yes. you're building a planning document or you're building a solution, I, I don't even want a project that's going to go sit on a shelf, right? You build a plan, it goes sit on a shelf somewhere, <laughs> it looks beautiful, it's, it's just you want right. to do meaningful work in the world, right? And so for me, the question is always, who is the decision maker? And we want to build well-informed, evidence-based or um, evidence-informed decisions. And we want them to be as well-supported as possible because we want people to, to either agree with them or get excited about them or whatever that looks like. And so creating these engagement approaches to the work that we do or the way that we build documents or come to conclusions or build consensus, that's actually what I think is the most exciting part about plans, about decisions, about uh, anything that that you have people working together in an environment, which is pretty much any association or organization or partnership. So there's something really exciting to me about creating opportunities for people to explore together, to define a decision, to work through their differences and to find that common ground. And it's in that mm-hmm. and knowing, you know, <clears throat> what challenge are we trying to solve or what problem are we trying to solve? How can we look at it and really analyze it and, and assess it and look at it in different ways and then work through the impacts of different solutions or different decision possibilities and find as much agreement as possible? And then the step from there is always, and now what? Now how do we communicate? Now how do we tell other people and get them excited about that or invite their input into it to help build even more support, uh, more excitement, more possibility around it. So I, I really think of decision-making in organizations as ongoing engagement. And either you've, you've done engagement work and then you feel confident enough to make a decision. So, you know, you could call it directed decision-making. Someone makes a decision in an organization. It's usually because somebody has already done some of that pre-work to figure out where the audience is, where do people stand. You know, we've, we've done this over the years. I feel confident making a decision. Or you're going through that process, whether it's in small teams, large teams, public engagement, to continuously build that input and support to get people excited or rallied around or supportive of, of decisions and work that needs to happen. Yeah, very exciting stuff to me. Yeah, you know, that's that's really interesting. I, I take a really similar view in my in my legal work. And this is one of the reasons why I would have no desire to be a litigator and that I, I'm so happy in the corporate world is because I like to be on the team that's working to create something and something that the, you know, that the teammates and whether that's, you, you know, your client and the other side, whoever that other side is, maybe it's a business partner or somebody else, where they solve a problem or they implement a solution that they're excited about. And so they're engaged in that process and then they own it. 
and then they can sort of you know work towards moving together as opposed to you know a litigator where you've already had something blow up and now we're just fighting about money or we're fighting about how we can hurt each other or whatever in the corporate world it's to me it's much more exciting because people are engaged and and you know owning the decision that they've collectively made and that's that's exciting because there's no two deals that are exactly the same because you can carve that up in any number of, of different ways. Lisa, where can where can our listeners find out more about you? Uh, LinkedIn's probably one of the best places just to find out about me because you know my background's there. But I, I really love to profile the types of clients and the projects that I work on, and so I I think I've done a pretty good job in in describing some of how on my outcome based focus works and how I work with my clients there. So uh, I do like LinkedIn as a mechanism, and it's also a great way to connect as well. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. This was a great conversation and really emphasizes the importance of communication as a strategic asset. I really like that, uh, that phrase. I appreciate you having me. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining the podcast today. If you like the podcast, don't forget to subscribe or follow to get notified when we have an update.